0: Hey, thanks for listening to the Reclaim Podcast. You can go ahead and find our church on Facebook and Instagram at Reclaim TX. We hope you enjoy the message. But the message that I want to talk about today is not necessarily a Mother's Day message. Um, it's really a message that I want everybody to kind of be able to go take something home and, and and put it to practice in your life. I like to I like to talk about practical things that we could put into our lives today. And so, what I want to talk about is is being a game changer. And the reason I chose this topic is because Mothers are game changers. Like a good mom is a game changer. You have a good mom in your life and, and maybe somebody, you, somebody didn't grow up with a mom. But you meet somebody that becomes your mom and you, fa- you find a good mother figure in your life. That's a, that's a game changer. That makes things so different. And so moms are, are, are game changers. This is the crazy thing is that society or, or the world that we live in oftentimes puts down or overlooks those that are actually making a difference. Right? Because if, in the world, if you're not making a difference on a big stage or in, in front of a large audience, then you're not really making a difference. But we understand that if you could just make a difference within your own children or within your own family, then ultimately you change the world. right? And that's why we say moms are game changers because they make a difference. Even though society and, and the world that we live in may overlook them, we understand that they make the difference. And I want to encourage you today, and this is the the point of the message: is that that even though you may not be a mom, right, you are a game changer. The life that you live matters, the things that you do matter, and the world often overlooks those that make the biggest impact. I'm I'm a big Laker fan. I'm from LA, and I say that without shame. I'm a Laker fan. They are doing awful, and they're making some bad moves, but I still love them, and I will be loyal to my Lakers. As long as I can. I would. Never mind. I was going to say I was happy that the Rockets lost. Um, any Houston fans in the house? No. All right. This is the right church. Oh, we got one in the back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're loved too. Um, but I, I remember the, the, the game changers on the Lakers back when they were actually winning were the guys that nobody really bought their jersey. Like, I don't know if, if any basketball fans, but there was a man named Sa- Sasha Vujicicic. And he was this guy that that nobody I, I didn't have his jersey. And some of you guys were like, I don't know who that is, right? Like, but we all know Kobe Bryant. But anyway, Sasha Vujacic, he hit the biggest free throws of his life when they won the finals, and they fouled Sasha to go to the free throw line, and he hits the free throws, they win the finals, they win the championship, right? And my point is this is that he was overlooked as a teammate, overlooked as a game changer. But when it came time to it, he his shots were the most important shots. And so when it comes to us, the truth is this is that. You may feel like you don't matter or you may feel like your life doesn't make a difference. But I'm telling you that you are a game changer. That you make the difference. And Jesus doesn't choose people that are always great or doesn't choose people that are always polished or got it all together. And thank God that he doesn't. Because I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be standing with the mic if if he only chose people that were good enough. But what Jesus did choose is he chose game changers. The kind of people that Jesus would select were those that were not trained. They were not well put together. They, 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 they had rough edges, right? They, they said a lot of things that they probably shouldn't have said. They did a lot of things that they probably shouldn't have done. But Jesus chose them anyway. And we can look back at and say, oh, yeah, that's cool. Like Peter, John, the disciples, right? Like, yeah, of course he chose them. They're disciples. But they weren't disciples when he met them. They weren't disciples when he chose them. And we put that off on, on what scripture says. But I'm telling you that Jesus chose you. He chose you. Like, do you really think it's by accident that you're like, man, let me go see what church is all about. Or let me go let me go see what this preaching is. Do you think that is by accident? Could it be that Jesus was kind of like, hey, let, let me get you to a place where you can finally realize that, that what you do on a daily basis matters to the world. Jesus said this to his disciples. And he really says it to us. He says... In Matthew 5, 13-16, says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others... So that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. What is he saying? He's giving the responsibility of being the light of the world to us. He's saying you make the difference. You notice we understand that Jesus is the light and Jesus is the way, he's the truth. He's all that we need. He is the answer. But what he doesn't say here that I'm the light. Or he doesn't say I'm the only light. What does he say? He says you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. That what, what he's telling us is that it matters how we live and why we are alive. There is a purpose to it. There is purpose. We are game changers. And I don't know about you, but I'm an unlikely candidate. Like, I'm not that great. I'm really not great at all. There's a lot of things in my life that I still need work on. Like the fact that I can't watch my kids more than an hour. Like, I'm not proud of that, right? <laughs> like, I wish I could, like, I wish I was like the Instagram dad, right? Like, that takes their kids, like, everywhere, like, by himself. I'm like, dude, you're crazy. Like, three kids by yourself? Um, I'm sorry. I, I vent sometimes when I'm preaching. But, but I'm, I'm an unlikely candidate, and the truth is so are you, right? Like, if we really think about who we are, like, we're not very likely to be called by God. But see, our mindset, in order to really tap into what we, our purpose is, our mindset has to change. And it has to change from oh the church can do it, or oh or or they can do it, or Pastor Mike can do it, or or Jess can do it, or they can do it. It has to change from that to I can do it. To we can do it together. If I could push anything, like you guys, this what we have right now. Like I don't know if you realize this or not. What we have at Reclaim Church and Huddle right now, we've been open for one month, and what we have is very special. This doesn't happen everywhere. This doesn't happen all over the place. And this is very special. I don't know if you felt it when you walked in. You feel that that welcoming. You feel that love. You feel that, like, why why do I feel, like, comfortable? Why do I feel like I belong? It has nothing really to do with just who we are. But it really has to do with what God is doing in us as a church because we understand that it's us and not just me. It's us coming together saying, man, we want to build this church. We want to make the difference. And when we all click that in our minds, right, like flip that switch, like say... It's, it's really It really matters what I do. Then you will begin to see things change. 1 Peter 1.13 says, therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What's he saying? He said, get ready to actually do something. James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. What is he saying? He's like, it does no good if you just come to church, hear the word and live the same. He's saying, when you hear the word, do what you hear. Make it a practice in your life to be obedient to what the word of God says, because you have purpose, you matter, you are absolutely a game changer. Absolutely a game changer. Jesus chose you. Now, this is where we get our full text. And before I get into it, I do want to pray. So if you want to bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, we thank you, God, for for allowing us to gather as a church, God, this church is yours. Lord, I thank you for everybody that's here, God, the, for the visitors, God, and those who have been here, been coming faithfully, God. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, God. Let us understand that we matter in your plan, Jesus. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you saved us, God. And we thank you that you live in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to read, and and I don't want to keep you guys too long today. I know it's Mother's Day. We want to go cook, right? Or the, are you? Are, do moms cook on Mother's Day? I don't know. Well, hopefully they do because they cook great. But... <laughs> Um, I'm not gonna keep you too long, but I do want to I do want to I don't want to just you know just go just breeze through a sermon just for the sake of it but but I'm gonna I'm gonna read in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16 and, and the story is this so Saul is the king, Israel was demanding that God give them a king, God gives them Saul. And Saul he does a pretty decent job up until this point. God gives him an order. I'm not gonna get into the details of it because honestly, we don't really have time just to get into this part. But Saul has an order from God, Saul disobeys God. Because of his disobedience, God says, okay, he goes to Samuel. Samuel's the prophet. He says, okay, Saul is no longer allowed to be king. You need to go find a new king. So now Samuel's all upset. He's like, man, Saul's going to kill me because you're asking me to replace him. And so, so God kind of leads Samuel to this place, and he, and he leads him to this house where, where we find the story of David. And so, so that's what we're, really, what we're going to be talking about today is the story of David, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 6-13. says, when they came, he looked on Eliab, which was one of the sons, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. Thank God God doesn't call us by height, because I would be completely disqualified. But anyway, all right, sorry. Um because I have rejected him, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called A- Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, who was another son. And, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse are all of your sons here? And he said there remains yet the youngest but behold he is keeping the sheep and Samuel said to Jesse send and get him for we will not sit down till he comes here and he sent and brought he sent and brought him in now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome and the lord said arise anoint him for this is he then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So this is what happened. Samuel comes to this house, the house of Jesse. And there's eight brothers. And the dad, now I would have been really upset. But the dad basically presents every other brother but David. And Samuel's like, wait, okay, none of these guys are it. Is there anybody else? He's like, oh, yeah, you know what? I do have another son, (laughs) but he's out there, he's with the sheep, he's doing his job, he's just working. Like, I I didn't really think that he'd be the guy. Like, that's not really the kind of guy that should be king. So his dad had already made a preconceived judgment on what David could fulfill in his life. And so Samuel says, well, well, can, can I at least see him? Because everybody else that you presented is not the one. And so ultimately what what is happening is Jesse overlooks his own son. The world will often overlook those that God has called because we don't look like what they think we should look like, or we don't have what they think we should have, or or our appearance doesn't look right, so they judge us based off of the way we look, or oftentimes if we're honest with ourselves, and and you don't have to be honest out loud, just be honest within your own heart, but, but we judge others based on how they look. We look at people, and if they don't, they don't meet our standards of style, or they don't meet our standards of, of height, right, <laughs> like, or, or whatever standards we have, then we overlook them saying, well, they can't really be important to me because of how they look. The major problem with this way of judging people is that that is how we judge ourselves. So when we hear like, oh, well, you can be called by God, you can be used by God, what do we do? We look at ourselves. And we say, well, I don't look the part. Or, or I have a lot of failures in my life. Or there's a lot of things in my life that, that aren't really right with God or, or aren't really aligned with Scripture. How, how can God use me? And so we, we judge ourselves by the outer appearance and how we look of what gifts we have or what gifts we don't have. And when it comes down to it, guys, we disqualify ourselves and we disqualify others because of our outer appearance. That's just the truth of the matter. But see, God sees you. God has purpose for your life. God sees your potential, not your profile. So God doesn't like look at your Instagram or Facebook or like, you know, whatever else he uses as social media in heaven, who knows. And he doesn't look at you and say like, well, let me see what he's up to. Let me see if he, he's, he has an exciting life. Let me see, what is he wearing today? Okay, outfit of the day, all right. You know what I mean? Like he, he's not he's not scrolling through your life looking at your outer appearance. What is God doing? God is constantly looking at your potential because he's constantly looking at your heart. And so God sees potential in people even when we don't. God sees potential in you even when you don't. You may, not, you, are, you may be overlooked by the world or by family or by other people. But I promise you, I guarantee you that you are not overlooked by God. You are not overlooked by God. God will make an effort to call you out of where you are so that you can step into what he's purposed in your life. Is that making sense this morning? Okay. But this is the thing is, is we're not overlooked, but we are underqualified. We are absolutely underqualified. Like, I know that's like, well, this is not a, that's not encouraging. <laughs> like, that, that is really like, this is what we're preaching on, huh? Happy Mother's Day. We're underqualified. This is the truth of the matter. In, in 1 Corinthians 1, 29 says, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the weak. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. See, we are all underqualified for a reason. God calls those who are not strong, God calls those who are not smart, God calls those who don't have it all together, God calls those Who are weak? God calls those who struggle. God calls those who are dirty. God calls those who are broken. God calls those who are stained. Why? Because he wants to show that he can be strong for you. He wants to show that you don't always have to be broken. And when God puts you back together, what what happens is we don't give glory to ourselves, but we begin to give glory to God. And when we give glory to God, then we truly live out our God-given purpose, which is to be the light of the world. God calls the weak so that he can show his strength. See, it's the grace of God that enables us to do anything. In order to live right, we have to operate within the grace and the strength that God gives us. Everything that I have personally, everything that I've overcome personally in my life, it really is because of God. It's not because I'm strong. It's not because I have willpower. It's not because I'm organized or like a good planner because honestly I'm not. I'm really bad at that. Like I just started using my calendar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I thought I could remember every date, but I can't. But it's because of God's grace in my life that I'm able to overcome. See, a lot of us, we're, we're, we're kind of like, like this, now I'm going to ask you, I want you to respond. Does anybody have struggles? Anybody? Just raise your hand. You got struggles in your life. Come on. All right, those who have their hands down, um, can you please pastor us because we need help. <laughs> but we all have struggles. But sometimes we say, well, let me get my struggles right and then I'll come to God. Or let me get my struggles together and then I'll go to church. Or let me get my struggles, struggles let me overcome them by myself and then I'll be a better father. Or then I'll be a better husband. Or then then I'll be a better friend. Let me overcome these things first and then I'll be a man of God. Or then I'll be a woman of God. But that's not how it works. See, God wants you as you are. Because you can't overcome by yourself. It's only the grace of God that enables us to overcome. And he gets the glory of Because it's his work in us. It's his work in us. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, it says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, I am strong. We, we access this grace through humility. When we can finally come to a place where we say, I cannot do it on my own. We will not overcome struggles of life. We will not overcome circumstances and really be free until we can humble ourselves before God and say, Lord, I need you. God, I need you to work in my life. See, there's this quote that I don't even know where it came from, but you've probably heard it. If not... You should write it down because it's, it's a good quote. It says, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So God doesn't call you because you're good enough, but he calls you and makes you good enough. Is that making sense. You are meant for more. You have purpose. You have purpose. Like, I just wish I could just like, open up your brains, right, and like plant this inside of your brain and your heart, like for you to understand that it matters, like your life matters. Your life matters to God. It matters to people. It matters to this world. See, you might not be able to make a difference in the entire world, but you can absolutely make a difference in somebody's world. You matter to God. And this is the thing is, is that Game-changers, when you realize, like, man, I'm a game-changer. My life makes a difference. What we begin to do is, and what we should do is stay faithful and stay focused. Stay faithful and stay focused. See, game-changers do the little things with the big picture in mind. David was just doing his job when God called him. He was just tending the sheep. Like, that's not an easy job. That's a dirty job. But he was doing it. That's all he was doing. He was being obedient to where he was in the moment. He was being obedient to the little things. And this is the crazy part, is it wasn't like God said, hey, David, I want you to be a shepherd for a while, but you're eventually going to be king. So just chill there for a moment, like just do your thing. Eventually I'm going to call you out of that. You're going to be put into royalty and you're going to be a man of history and everybody's going to know you. Like that's not what it was like. David was just doing what he was doing. David was just being obedient with where he was, not out of the ambition to one day become king. He just did what he was because it was the right thing to do. He just did what he did out of obedience. See, the little things that you do make the big differences. It's the little things. In Luke 16.10 says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. How do you handle the little things in life that you have? Like, all of us were like, well, I, want, I need to make more money, right? Like, I need more money. Now, if you don't, then God bless you. But I know for me, like, I'm like, I, a little bit more could be good. A little bit more could be helpful. But let me ask you a question. What do you do with what you have now? What do you do with, with the money and the finances that are in your hands today? What do you do with the job that you have now? Like, right one day, like, oh, I want to, I want a promotion. I want to, I want to do something bigger. I want to be the the guy at the job. But like, how do you handle the job you have right now? Right, the the kids that you have. Like, one day, I want to be a good father. I want to, I want to be, I want, I want to teach them lessons. Right, I want to help them within their life and help them grow up and help them make the right. But 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 what are you doing right now to get you there? The little things. Make the difference. Right? Like when when my wife and I were, were struggling in our marriage and, and I talk like you guys will hear these stories a lot because these stories, it's kind of all I got right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But but my wife and I were struggling a lot and and my 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 vision for my marriage is that one day we're gonna be this happy couple that that will be like all together and will be able to be an example to people and help people. But that was my that was like the big picture. But I failed to do the little things. Like I failed to say sorry. I failed to to, to show little acts of kindness and love. I, I failed to do those things. So it was the little things in my life that I wasn't doing that kept the large door of opportunity closed. Same thing with the things of God. Like when I was young, I was like, well, one day I want to be a pastor, I want to, I want to do something for God. But, but if we're always looking at the big picture, And only focusing on what one day we might have, then we may possibly overlook the little things that are meant to get us there. We'll maybe look over the little things that are meant to be the stepping stones to greater finance or greater opportunity of employment or greater breakthrough in relationships. We, We look over those little things. But it's those little things that God gives us to see how we would handle them. Because he wants to give you more. But if he gave you more right now, you'd probably blow it. He wants to give you what you're asking, the desires of your heart, the things that you're like, God, I just want this. I need this. If I just had this, then maybe I can do a little bit better. Maybe I can serve you a little bit more. But he's saying, no, no, no. I want to see what you do right now with what you have right now. Because if you do well with what you have right now, God opens and gives us the opportunity. See, God has big plans, but it starts with small steps. It's more, it starts with small steps. And we have this saying here, and I think it's a saying in a lot of churches, but we say, love God, love people. Like what, it, what, it, like, what is your vision of a church? Like, love God, love people. Jesus says, like every, all, the, all the commandments kind of come down to these. Love God love your neighbor. Love God, love people. See, God has great things for you and there's a lot of things that God wants to do in your life. But it has to start with those two little things. Love God, love people. It's like, okay, well, how do, how do I love God? What can I do? Like, what can I do? What can you do right now? When you go home to love God, you can pray, you can read, you can devote time to God. You can begin to be obedient to what his word actually says. That's loving God, loving people. Help those in need. You know, help people that need help. Be an encourager to the people around you. Even in our church today, like, like this is such a, you guys are really cool people. Like, I like you guys a lot. Like, I'm glad you're coming here or that you're visiting right now. You guys are awesome people. But if you want to say, well, what can I do more? Just talk to each other. Like, build relationship with each other. Be an encourager of the people that come to the church. Be an encourager of those that that, that you're surrounded by. Be somebody who, when they come... They know that they're going to see your face and you're going to to bring a little bit of joy to their life. You're going to bring a little bit of encouragement to their life. You're going to bring a little bit of support into their life. And you know, another way you can love people is forgive people. Forgive them. Let things go. In the church, if somebody offends you or if somebody, like, takes a spot that you always park in, or, like, you know, if you finally find the seat that you're always going to sit in and somebody sits in there, just let it go. Like, I don't want a petty church, guys. Like, please, like, let's not make this petty. Like, let's be those who forgive each other easily. Right? Like, it's cool, man. Like, you said something that offended me, but it's okay. Let's talk about it. I forgive you. We're good. And be good. You know, be good with each other. Ephesians 429.32 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only, thank you, Winston. Appreciate that, man. But only such as is good for building up. As fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. See, these little things is all you have to do. Just be kind. Just be kind. Be encouraging, be a loving person. Can we do that? Like can we, I, I, like, I will, this is not a rhetorical question, like can we be a church that is kind? Can we do that? When people come in, can we not be the church that's, like, oh, they're new, like that's awkward. I don't want to talk. Like just talk to them. Like talk, I mean if they're from Texas, talk about Whataburger. Like everybody in Texas likes Whataburger. Like I'm not even kidding. Like you can have an hour conversation with somebody from Texas about Whataburger, right? I'm usually debating how it's not that good. But anyway, (laughs) because this is the thing about those little things, is little things open big doors. Little things open big doors. God opens the door to those who are faithful. Now let's finish this story here in 1 Samuel 16, 14, 23. So so Samuel finds David, he anoints him as king. And now he's worried because he's like, man, Saul's going to kill me because I basically just replaced him as king. And so it says this, it says, now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul And a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servants said to him, behold, now a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse. The Bethlehemite, who was skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me David, your son, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and, and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by David, his son, to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service, and Saul loved him greatly, and he became, became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. See, here King Saul saw David playing in his act of work as a shepherd, which opened the door to be let into the kingdom. Saul invited David in. He basically replaced himself. See, when it comes to opportunities, we don't need to force God to do things. We don't need to like, okay, God, like, you have to do this and I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to I'm gonna do whatever I can to open this door. All we have to do is know his voice. Because when we know his voice, we know what the right opportunity is. Because not every good thing is a God thing. Not every good thing is a God thing. And 1 Corinthians 10, 23 says... All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. See, just because it looks good doesn't mean it is good. Just because it sounds nice doesn't mean it's a part of God's plan for you, because God opportunities never contradict God's word. The the open door from Saul was confirmation of a of a word or calling from God to David. See, God opportunities are revealed through God's plan, when you're focused on God's will for your life, you begin to see his opportunities before you. So let me ask you this question, are you are you living for his will or for your own? Are you living with the idea like I want to be obedient to the will of God or are you saying like, hey, God, I'm just going to do things and like I hope they work out and make them work for me. Because there's a major difference. Because you could have good things on both sides. Like I said, not every good thing is a God thing. But that doesn't mean it looks bad. Oftentimes it looks really good. But the truth is this, is that God wants the very best for us. So even when something looks good, if it's not God, that means God has something better than what looks good. So sometimes we're like, well, I'm praying for a better job. And then we get a job and it's like, well, you have to work every Sunday. And you have to work. You can't hang out with anybody that's godly. You're around people that are bad influence. And so it might look like a good thing because we get more money. But is it a god thing? Because there are major differences. Because God just wants the best for our life. He just wants us to do the best that we can. And the truth is just as we're closing and, end, and we can kind of, uh, if I can get my, my wife up here, my beautiful wife. Wonderful wife. If she's, she's back there with the kids. So she'll come eventually. But God opportunities advance God's kingdom. David didn't take the opportunity out of selfish ambition but out of obedience. This is how you know if it's a God thing. Are you doing it for yourself or are you doing it for him? Are you making decisions for yourself or are you making decisions for others? Philippians 2: 3 through four says do not do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interests of others he's saying whatever you do do it for others now I know that's not really popular today like the what we hear today is like yeah do you right like how many of you, do you just do what do what you need to get you, do what you have to do do your thing, make sure you're good. Treat yourself, right? Is that what they say? Treat yourself. I don't know if you watch that show or not, but anyway, treat yourself. Like you, there it is, oh God, he's he's good. You, What you do matters, like you matter to God. But this is the thing, and, and, and the last point is, is so game changers, they, they they understand that I can make a difference. The second thing is they stay faithful and they stay focused. And the last thing is, is game changers take initiative. Take initiative. So we see in In 1 Samuel, I'm not going to read the story, but we see that David, after he's anointed, he still goes back to being a shepherd. But what happens is there's, there's a big giant named Goliath that starts messing with his people. And so David takes the initiative to fight this giant, and he ends up defeating him and setting all of the Israelites free. Like it's this crazy story. But it's David putting himself in a place to live for others. It's David putting himself in position to sacrifice himself for somebody else. David takes initiative. See, a lot of times we just kind of wait, right? Like we just wait. Like God, if you want me to do something, just like you got to open the clouds and, and you got to like put, let your light shine and show me where to go and show me what to do. And that's not really how God operates. What God does, it's he, he says that the word his word is a light into our path. So what he does is he shows us his word of the little things that we can do. Because as we just start to do those little things, we begin to walk into God opportunities. But it's, but it's being productive. It's saying, okay, I know that I have to love people. I know that I have to love God. How can I live that out daily? How can I be productive in the kingdom? It's making moves for his glory. Saying, Lord, I just want to do things that will give you glory. I just want to live a life that points back to you. Like honestly, guys, with, when it comes to this church, like I know that I'm the pastor and me and my wife are leading the church. But honestly, honestly, how we feel, and we talk about this all the time, is we don't want glory. I don't want people to say, oh, Mike's doing a good thing at Reclaim. Or Mike and Jess are doing a good thing. No, no, no. I want people to say, man, God is doing something there. The moves that we make are to give God glory. And lastly, let your motives be godly. Do things for him. And do things for others. Not to impress them, but to help them, to encourage them. David kills this giant. He kills this giant and I want to encourage you and this this is really the end. When you when you become a, to become a game changer, which you're supposed to be. You have to kill your giants. You have to confront your giants. Now, every one of us has a different giant. A giant is really anything that hinders us from walking out the purpose of God. So a giant for one of us it may look like partying and getting drunk and, and going out on the weekend and that's a life. That may be our giant. Another giant may be like pornography or, or things that we deal with inside. Another giant may be depression. Another giant may be anxiety. Another giant may be broken relationships or, or, or a broken spirit or a broken heart. These are the giants that are within our life that, that when we, the things that when we step and say I want to do something for God, those things come to our mind and say Well, I can't because of X. Those are the giants. That we have to kill. I don't know, this is not really like a Mother's Day sermon, right? <laughs> like, hey, mom's going to kill all the giants, right? Like, But we have to kill these giants. And, and there's a couple of things that the Bible says that we should do. Number one is we should confess our sin to each other. Now, I know, I'm not saying like, it's not like a Catholic thing, like it's like a little different where you have to confess to a priest. That's not really what I mean here. What I mean is we have to talk to each other for building and encouragement. The Bible says this. It says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is great power as it is working. See, it doesn't say confess your sins so that you can be forgiven. Because Jesus already forgave you. When you confess your sins to God, he forgives you. It says confess your sins to each other so that you can be healed. There's a difference between forgiveness and healing. And healing comes from confession to one another. Second is surround yourself with godly people. Proverbs 13.20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. It's important who you surround yourself with. Surround yourself with godly people. And last but not least, rely on the strength of God and not your own. Romans 8.37 says, no... In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He's saying that we, we conquer through God. We kill giants through God. We, we overcome because of God, because of his power and his love for us. So you are a game changer. You have to think about that. You have to understand that. Your life matters. So we can just bow our heads, close our eyes. And there's, again, I mean, I'm sure you're going to look up soon, but there's four things that I want you to kind of, as you're looking down, maybe you could write them down or make a note of it. A game changer has to do these four things. Get the right mindset. Understand I have purpose. Number two, have the right heart for his glory. Number three, take initiative for his will. And number four, walk in his power. And we walk in his power through surrender. We walk in his power through surrender. Thank you again for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. For more information on our church, you can visit our website, reclaimchurchtx.com.